I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Bills Mafia. We know there's only one topic every day. All Bills, all the time. And now Matt Bove and Sal Capaccio are going really deep, talking Bills all year long, because it's always game day in Buffalo. Welcome back, everybody, to another week, another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt Bove, joined by Sal Capaccio. So, Sal, now one in one. I think the vibes this week a lot different than they were at this time last week. You know, seven days ago, the sky, were, the sky was falling. And now, you know, there's a little bit of optimism around the team again. It's funny how that can change that fast. <laughs> yeah, and... Not only that, um, I don't think that people realize maybe even to the level of how well the Bills played as much as they are feeling good about them. The highest scoring team in the league in week number two, the largest margin of victory of any game in week two against the Las Vegas Raiders. Seems like everything is back to where it is, but you're right. The vibe, it's great. People feeling good. Josh Allen earns AFC Offensive Player of the Week. <laughs> ah! Ridiculous. Week one, nothing to see here. Just moving on, but they're still in a hole from week one. We'll see how that resolves itself over the next couple of weeks with Washington and then Miami coming to Buffalo, but we still got to get there first. You're right. I feel it from the fans. Still have fans a little bit apprehensive after that week one performance, but I think week two really kind of made people feel a whole heck of a lot better. Yeah, and even like at practice, it's just the team more upbeat. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that they're overlooking anybody by any stretch or anything even close to that, but you can just tell they're looser. They're having a little bit more fun. They're enjoying themselves a little bit more. They were on edge last week. I think mm-hmm. they realized that they missed an opportunity week one and they needed to respond in a big way. But now it's about stacking wins. Now it's about about not just winning a game. It's about winning multiple games and then going on a run and kind of retaking your spot as the top team in the AFC East, one of the top teams in the NFL. So, you know what? This is a tricky task for them, though. Like, I think Washington's, a, yep. I don't even want to say a sneaky good team. Like, I could see Washington pushing for a playoff spot in the NFC. 100. This is the best start they've had in a long time. Their defensive line is disruptive. They have playmakers, and there's something about Sam Howell, and I just respect his game that he takes risks, he takes shots, he can make big time throws, he's got arm talent. Like, I think when you take all of those things and you piece them together, you've got a team that will not go down easy. And this is going to be a really tough matchup for the Bills. Did you see the throw he made to Terry McLaurin, the one that's Stupid. been going viral from the Stupid. from the, the back angle? Amazing. Stupid. Great, great throw. That's Josh Allen level stuff. It really is. It's a Josh um, Allen a really throw. Good arm. Yeah, and and he fit in a tight window, post pattern there. They have a lot of talent on offense, no doubt about it. Um, if there's one thing about him that I've got from some people in Washington, and you're, I know that you spoke with one of them we're going to have here in a little while, sometimes he might tend to hold on to the ball a little bit too long, but that's because yeah. he's trying to make a play, yeah. and he does make a play oftentimes, right? So, yeah. you know, that that that's where that comes from, but you're right. I think the poise he's shown, I give Ron Rivera credit. I mean, last year, everybody's like, you're sticking with Sam Howell this offseason. You're sticking with Sam Howell. Yep, they're sticking with Sam Howell, and he's rewarding them right now. 
Yeah, and you also combine that with Eric Bieniemy, who yep. I think was just looking for an opportunity to showcase himself as a coach and say, it's not just that I'm with Patrick Mahomes. I know how to draw an offense up. I know how to get guys open. I know how to have my quarterback make big plays. And so far, so good for Washington. And to your point about him holding onto the ball a little bit, that makes the injuries for the Bills that much more interesting because Leonard Floyd on the injury report, he doesn't practice on Wednesday. Will they have Leonard Floyd available? Because for the Bills, the defensive line has been a really, really strong area up to this point. I think they've all kind of exceeded expectations. But if you lose maybe your top guy, at least for the time being, that's a really tough blow. That's tough to overcome. You like what you've gotten from Epinesa. You like what you've had from some of the depth pieces. But you don't want to have to try that, right? You want to make sure that you've got your full team. Mm -hmm. I think Leonard Floyd's going to play, but... I don't know if he has any sort of setback, then why risk he, it? He right? thinks he's going to play. He, says he thinks he's going to play. play. He I, I, you know play. what I keep thinking about though, Matt, I keep thinking about Gabe Davis with the ankle last year. Yep. You know, Gabe Davis, he sat out one week and then he came back and you could say he never was truly right. Cause they never really no. allowed him. And this is not a criticism because he, he wants to play and he's good enough to play, but you wonder if they'd maybe shut him down for a few weeks and he says, okay, I'm going to get this right. Maybe mm-hmm. last season, goes a little bit differently for him. And he still had a good year, but you could tell he was kind of fighting it. I wonder if that's where they are with Leonard Floyd here in week three, because this is apparently maybe in a re-aggravation, even of a, an ankle that he was dealing with. And you wonder, okay, is he going to go out there and play? And if he does, how compromised is he? Does he have a chance to, you know, uh, re-injure it? And can he really get fully healthy? So I wonder. And what's interesting is if he doesn't play, the guy that would be active would be Kingsley Jonathan. Yeah. Jonathan would be the extra defensive end because he's on the roster. Kingsley Jonathan's the guy who last week Spencer Brown credited with giving him the best scout team look he's ever had pretending to be Max Crosby, which is super interesting. So my thought was, well, get Kingsley Jonathan on the field then if he's doing that. Well, unfortunately, it could come at the expense of Leonard Floyd's injury. I don't know. We'll see. They could also elect just to say we're going to take it easy on Leonard for a week and then let this thing heal up a little bit and have him ready to play the Miami Dolphins. You're right, and that's probably the smart thing to do, but it is a bit concerning because, like I said, I think Washington's tough. I think you need your full team to go out there. You could go into Washington and get a win with a banged-up Bills roster, but you don't want to try that. You don't want to tempt your fate and potentially fall to one and two, staring Miami in the face next week, one of the teams that I think has really impressed a lot of people, and potentially just be trying to play catch-up for the entire season. So it's going to be interesting what they do. The optimistic sign of this is that, one, he thinks he's going to play, and two, there have been so many good, impressive performances from the defensive line this year that I think you do trust Greg Rousseau. You trust Ed Oliver. You trust Daquan Jones, Jordan Phillips. He was out today with an illness, but it did not seem like it was going to be anything that stretches further into the week. So you have playmakers on the line. If he is out, you just, you know, hope that he's not out if you're a Bills fan. Yeah. And, if um, Micah, Micah Hyde can't go, I think that would mean DeMar Hamlin would be up for the first time yeah. this year. Now, the good news on Micah is he, as you pointed out on the last podcast, he did podium after the game, which is generally a sign that it's not too concerning. And then he was actually out on the practice field, kind of walking around and doing some things. If it was really bad, you generally wouldn't have that with a hamstring. So mm-hmm. I'm a, I'm encouraged, but at the same time, you're talking about a 33-year-old safety here mm-hmm. and 32-year-old safety. And, you know, you want to make sure that he's good for the long haul. And if that were the case, then DeMar Hamlin would be the guy that would have to go out there. And look, this is a Washington team with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson in the backfield. But mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin, uh, Jahan Dodson, yeah. and I mean, Curtis Samuel, these guys, they they have a good group of pass catchers. And Logan Thomas, who who's in concussion protocol, though. You, you know, the Colt Logan Thomas, we all love him for, in Buffalo, you know, and uh, the story, his personal story and things like that. And he's done a really good job. But that would be a big blow for them if they don't have me. Took a big shot last week from Kareem yeah. Jackson of the uh, Denver Broncos, who wasn't suspended, maybe should have been. Second time in two weeks he's had a shot like that. Um, but that's something that they're dealing with. But with him, that would even change the dynamic even more with the pass catchers they have. I, I think I'm willing to say this is the best group of skill position players they've played this season. Is that a stretch, right? I mean, you think about the Jets, and you had Brees Hall coming off of an injury, and Garrett Wilson is you know one. He's really good. But after that, I don't think you were overly concerned about Alan Lazard, about Randall Cobb, or about right. Dalvin Cook. Then you go to last week, Devontae Adams once again, 
awesome. But after that, Hunter Renfro had one catch in the fourth quarter. Jacoby Myers missed the game because of a concussion. Josh Jacobs, I know he was the rushing champ, but the week before he averaged two and a half yards a carry, and then you held him to negative yards in the entire game. I think when you look at the group in totality, this will be the most skill the Bills have gone up against because of McLaurin, of Dotson, of Gibson, especially in screen passes. I think he burned them for a deep one years ago when they came here to Buffalo in like week three. He had like an 80-yard touchdown or something. Brian Robinson has been playing really well. Like you said, Curtis Samuel, they've got speed. And speed is something that concerns me with a Bills secondary that's getting a little bit older and somebody who's like Sam Howell, who's a playmaker. I think that they should be able to hold up, but a lot of it falls on the defensive line. They they got to get there. And also Terrell Bernard was limited, right? What do you do if yeah. he can't go or if he has a setback? Yeah, if he has a setback. I mean, limited on Wednesday is generally an encouraging sign that he'll play. And look, I mean, yeah. the Bills are still relatively healthy. I mean, they have Von Miller on oh, pub, very but, healthy. But, but very take a look healthy. at the, around the league. I mean, there's injuries everywhere. Running backs are dropping everywhere. There's injuries. I know. This is not, th- these are guys that are a little banged up. We'll see where they go, but don't, I don't want to paint the picture here that the Bills are in some dire, oh my gosh, look at all these injuries. They still have a very healthy roster pretty much all, all in all, and they're going to need you know as many they hands do. on deck to, to beat the Washington Commanders. On the other side of the ball, uh, a guy, hey, we're going to talk about the same thing with the Commanders. Deron Payne missed practice on Wednesday with an mm-hmm. ankle injury. He's one yeah. of the best in the business. He's playing at He's an all awesome. level right now so in the good. interior. And this game, to me, is going to come down to the Bills' ability or inability to control that Washington defensive line, which has first-round picks all over the place, and they're playing out of their mind right now with mm-hmm. Chase Young and Montez Sweat on the corner and then Allen and Deron Payne in the center. I mean, I just think this is going to be a really, really tough task. It is, and this goes back to the Jets game and how the Bills handled the pass rush from the Jets and the mistakes that it forced Josh Allen into making. Can you make sure that you do not make those mistakes because – Besides the defensive line, there are opportunities against this defense. It's not to say that they're slouches, but look what Denver did to them last week. Mm -hmm. You can put up points. If Denver can put up points, you better be able to put up points. So, yeah, a lot of this is going to fall on their interior offensive line. Osiris Torrance just continues to get thrown into the fire here. I think they've liked what they've gotten from McGovern. And Mitch Morse is, you know, just Mr. Consistent in the middle there. It it, it is a tough matchup. I mean, it's a road game in the NFL against a team that was 500 last year. That's 2-0 to start the season. Obviously, there's a ton of excitement around that team, not just from the football side of things, but also from the new ownership side of things. Commanders fans are fired up, and I think the Bills are going into a pretty hostile environment. Not one that they can't handle, right? I mean, they started the season on 9-11 against the Jets on Monday Night Football. Like, they've played in some big-time environments. This won't be anything like that. But, you know, it, it just makes a tough matchup a little bit a little bit more tough. What did I read? Like 170 alums also for Washington coming? Like, they're, they're treating this game... There's a homecoming game for them in the mm-hmm. sense of they're going to put out all the stops to try and beat the Buffalo Bills. And to talk more about the matchup, we actually chatted with Craig Hoffman. He's from the Take Command podcast. So for more on what you need to know getting ready for this matchup on the other sideline, we'll hear from him. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, You transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. 
At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter your search based on the qualities that are most important to you. Then you can book a free 15-minute consultation call with any therapist you're interested in seeing. So you can get a feel for whether they're the right fit before you commit to a full-length session. Alma also makes it easy for mental health care providers to navigate insurance. That's why 95% of therapists in their directory accept insurance for sessions. So you can find care that's affordable without stressing about the paperwork. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com therapy60 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com therapy60. All right, we are joined by Craig Hoffman from the Take Command podcast. He's also over at the Team 980. Craig, thank you for joining us, man. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Happy to do it. Uh, happy to talk to the fine folks of Buffalo. So 2-0, did you expect this? Did the people of D.C. expect this? What's going on? Um, I wouldn't say it's a total shock. I definitely thought they might drop the game against Denver. I don't think Denver's that good. So I think there's also like they played Denver and Arizona. But this Washington team's got a lot of promise. Uh, this weekend's by far the toughest test they'll have had. But I do think that there are some pieces that we'll get into, obviously, that uh, that give people here some hope for uh, this year and, and certainly beyond this year. Have the expectations changed going into the season? What were the expectations? And now that they have won their first two games, are people there like, okay, maybe this team can make the playoffs. Maybe they can make a little push. Well, expectations were all over the place. Um, nationally, they were obviously not very high. A lot of people thought this would be one of the five worst teams in the league. I thought that was nuts because they went 8-8-1 eight, eight, and one last year and got better at quarterback and traded Scott Turner as an offensive coordinator for Eric Bieniemy, who's been in four <laughs> of the last five Super Bowls. So I, I do think that there is um, there was definitely low expectations around the team nationally. But locally, I think most people kind of thought they'd finish in that similar 500-ish range. The schedule is definitively harder this year than it is been in years past um they have a you know obviously some some gaps that we'll get into some of their weaknesses that could certainly bite them and i think the part of the the pessimism to the extent that there was any was those weaknesses were things that popped up last year and it was like are you guys going to improve this are we just going to keep rolling it back and hope the there's internal improvement and players get a little bit better and those weaknesses become strengths and so um some of those have been hit or miss so far through the season. And then the biggest question was obviously Sam Howell at quarterback. And I would say so far through two games, like he's been pretty impressive. Um, this is a kid who has a ton of physical talent, a fantastic demeanor, just doesn't seem to be bothered by anything. And if he's going to continue to get better, there are certainly segments of the fan base now that are like, well, why can't they make the Super Bowl? And I'm like, well, they've got like, let's relax. It's two games. And one of them, you beat the Cardinals by four. So like, let's let's chill a little bit. Um, but I, I do think the, the optimism has grown. And then then there's like, let's let's scale back for a quick second. There's optimism about this team and this franchise at large because Dan yeah, Snyder no longer owns it. Like, let's let's make sure that that, you know, Bills fans understand the, the larger context as if you know anyone needs this explained to them. But like there is the larger context of the Wicked Witch is dead and there is a general sense of optimism about everything that is far, far different than anything we've experienced in the past, even when this team has been good. I mean, the closest it's been to this here uh, was predates my covering the team, but the obvious 2012 year with RG3 and yeah. uh, we all, we all know how that ended. So hopefully this, this trends in a different direction. You know, you just brought up Sam Howell and I've watched a little bit of the film from the last couple games, watched a little bit of the games. I like him. He seems like he's a playmaker. He seems like he's not scared to try and take the risks and take shots downfield. I respect that, especially for somebody in his position. So is he, legitimate like is he somebody who you know he's gonna get at least you know the year but could he be the long-term answer he could he absolutely could it was funny we do a segment on tuesdays on the radio show called overreaction tuesday and we we bring in one of the other hosts from the station who's um i don't want to call him a hot take artist because i, I the Linnell special is take something that is true and then extrapolate it out to the most optimistic extreme um, and you know one of his overreactions yesterday one of his takes that I deemed an overreaction is Washington has definitely found their franchise quarterback and I've just been doing this long enough Matt to know that when defensive coordinators get film on a guy things yeah. change and we are two games into this season and three games into his career as a starter and so so far love what I see and I think there are intangibles that 
like if I had to predict if they found their guy, I would predict. Yes, I would predict yeah. that Sam Howell is the quarterback here for the next five plus years, uh, presuming that, you know, other outside circumstances don't change that or there's no injuries or anything like that. Um, the things that I love, fantastic arm strength. Um, hilariously, like this is such a silly metric, but last year in Madden, he had like the fifth strongest arm in the game. Like <laughs> that's an accurate representation of where his arm strength is. Um, you see the touchdown throw last week to Terry McLaurin. It's like 35 yards on a rope right over Justin Simmons, a throw that is not available to many quarterbacks. Like Josh Allen could make it, but yeah. Josh Allen can make every throw. Mahomes can make it, but like that that's the kind of class of arm we're talking about here. Um, if you want to see a possibly even a crazier throw, go check out the third down and the two minute drill uh, that he hits uh, to John Bates up the sideline. It's like 35 yards from the left hash up the right sideline. And you're just like, what is that? Like that's alien stuff. Um, and so there's that uh, he, his demeanor and kind of his mental makeup is fantastic. I've never seen a quarterback certainly here. Um, but I, even guys like Mahomes, like you watch the quarterback series on Netflix, like he gets frustrated and I'm sure Sam does, but he just nev never shows it. Um, and, and the kind of calm, you know, leadership demeanor type of stuff that he shows is, is a plus. And, you know, obviously I do my podcast with a guy who played 10 years in the league and Logan Paulson. And he's like, it's different when you get in that huddle and you just look at a guy and like the, the guy he always brings up from his career is Matt Ryan. It's like when I, we were, and I was in Atlanta and I looked up and saw Matt Ryan in the huddle, I was like, okay, we got a shot. I don't care what the scoreboard says. Like we got a shot. And the fact that Sam Howell is inspiring that kind of confidence in his teammate and his teammates is pretty special. And then the last piece on the positive side that I think is really important is his playmaking. He picks up first downs with his legs. Like his, his last year at Carolina, the one that dropped him in the draft, he was phenomenal running the football. That's what they needed him to do. Um, unfortunately, the NFL scouts didn't like that too much, but you know, He's got it uh, in the red zone. He hit some of the plays he's made are incredible, both running the ball in and kind of buying time and throwing from odd arm angles and finding throws that shouldn't be there. Like you pause the tape and you go, where's he throwing? I don't know. He finds a little window hits Brian Robinson for a touchdown in week one on a scramble. And that stuff is really exceptional. I think the, the negatives that we're still waiting and seeing on, he holds the ball way too long. Um, you know, I, I think that's something the pocket awareness and kind of the, the footwork and timing and rhythm elements are still to be developed, but he's three games into his career as a starter. Absolutely. Things you can get better on, but he did take a lot of sacks at Carolina. So is this just who he is or is it something that's a work in progress? And for the bills, that's potentially an area that they can exploit. The defensive line has been one of the very strong suits to start the season for them. So then we talk about the weapons, right? Everybody knows about Terry McLaurin. Antonio Gibson feels like he's fallen off and Brian Robinson has kind of picked that back up. And then Dotson, like I'm a Dotson dynasty fantasy owner. I really like the player. I think you could make the argument that as far as weapons are concerned, this might be the most legitimate group the Bills have played. You know, the Jets have Brees Hall coming off the injury. Garrett Wilson's a stud. But then after yeah. that, there really wasn't anybody that scared you. Same thing last week. Like Devontae Adams, unbelievable. But Jacoby Myers is hurt. So there's really not a secondary option. Washington has multiple options. Do they use all of these guys? Have they been involved as much as they should be? Sure do. Um, last week, God, now I wish I could remember the stat. The commanders put it out on social media. So it's easily easily findable for anybody. But it was like, it was the, the, the basic crux of the stat. I don't remember the number of receivers, but it was the most receivers in the history of the franchise that had two plus <laughs> catches in a game. So it was like seven good. or nine. It was like some insane number. You're like that. There's that many eligible receivers they can rotate in. Like yeah. it was crazy. Um, you know, we'll see what Logan Thomas's availability is. Um, he took that massive illegal hit that for some unknown reason was not a suspension uh, from Kareem Jackson in the end zone on a touchdown catch. So, you know, he, they could be down there starting tight end, but like Cole Turner is a pretty good player. The kid that they'll bring up Curtis Hodges is a, is an effective receiver as long as he can finish plays and catch the ball, but a fantastic route runner at six, eight, like both of those are former college receivers turned tight ends. Bates is uh, one of the better blocking tight ends in the league, but it can catch it a little bit. And then, yeah, you've got McLaren who's a stud Dotson, who I think, could lead this team in receptions when it's all said and done this year. Like, I think he's that talented and he's that good of a fit in the offense. He's going to get a ton of targets. The enemy's done a really good job so far of getting Curtis Samuel, the, the right amount of touches, yeah. um, super, super dangerous weapon. Hasn't really exploded yet, but he's a good receiver. He will get a couple of carries probably in the game, whether it's jet sweeps or they, they motion him into the backfield or whatever. They've had one of those in each of the first two games and then try to get him a screen or two. And then it's funny. You mentioned, it seems like Gibson's fallen off. Rushing attempts wise, that is true, but he actually played 35 snaps to Robinson's 38 the other day. It's okay. just Robinson had 18 carries and Gibson had two. 
Yeah. But Gibson is the explosive guy. Gibson's the guy that almost scares you more. Like Robinson is is a hammer. Like Gibson's a bomb. And yeah. so you know, there's a, there's a screen they have late in the game that I I don't know what the heck Denver was looking for. It's like it's third and long. What do you think they're running? Uh, but Gibson is able to to get out in space, and he's a shoestring tackle away from scoring on on a screen. Um, you know, they'll get him probably three to five catches and another you know somewhere between two and ten carries. So he he's a guy that I think is certainly worth being aware of. Um, and then even like Deami Brown, their fourth receiver, he played with Hal at Carolina and is a speed, you know, four, three guys. So mm-hmm. can they get him loose on, on something? You know, he's a, a big play threat. So they've definitely got a ton of weapons, Bienemy and Hal, you know, definitely spread the ball around. And can you, sh- you know, super focus on Terry and, and limit him? Yeah. But at what expense to those other guys, I think is the question that a lot of offenses uh, or a lot of defenses are going to have to solve. And then the other thing too, is like, how much do they run it? The enemy went 33 dropbacks, seven rushing attempts in the first half last week. Mm-hmm. And it was very even in the second half when they kind of exploded. So I, I wonder if that's an intentional choice uh, and whether that's going to continue because they can run it a little bit too. You know, Robinson's really effective as a, as a ball carrier. I think Gibson burned the bills for like an 80 yard run when they came here a couple of years ago, early in the season. And you know what? I know the the screen pass you're talking about. I jokingly tweeted the other day, if I was an offensive coordinator coaching against the bills, I would call screen pass every single play because they don't know how to defend yeah. it. So that's an area that I think is very concerning for the bills, at least defensively. Now yeah. switching to the commanders side of the, like everybody knows about the defensive line. They're awesome. What else though? What are the just kind of general scouting reports about the linebackers and about the secondary? Because it feels like that might be the area where the Bills could take advantage of them. So linebacker is the kind of when I when I hinted earlier that there was an area that could be improved. It seemed coming out of last season and then they really didn't. Offensive line was one um, linebackers. The other the O line's been fine so far. Um it, I actually think in Denver, they got to stretch. They played really well. Um, but linebacker wise, like Jamin Davis is a playmaker. He's former first round pick, which was, who was probably overdrafted, but is, was drafted based off his trades. And he shows it off last week. He makes the play that changes the game. They're down 21 to three and everything's going all wrong. He chases Russell Wilson down as a quarterback spy and is able to get him before he gets to the sideline, force a fumble, and then the commanders literally went on a 32-3 run over the next couple quarters. So Davis is is a potential playmaker. They brought in Cody Barton from Seattle in the offseason, and he's been pretty disappointing. Seems like he's late to a lot of stuff. Um, you know, he got caught in a bad spot against a really tough like concept, good play call by Sean Payton for their first touchdown last week. Uh, or one of their touchdowns last week. So linebackers a little bit, a little bit hit or miss. The thing is though, they don't actually put a heavy emphasis on linebacker in this defense because the D line is so good. Like they make a lot of plays that the linebackers don't have to, obviously they eat a lot of blocks, making the, the job a lot easier. And then they actually just don't play a lot of linebackers. Like Davis only played 40 something of the 66. I think it was 41 of 66 snaps last week. Barton's on the field for all of them. Um, but they play with one or two linebackers most of the time. They play a lot of Cinco front, so five defensive linemen, and they bring Cam Curl down into the box, and Curl is like the the best defensive player in the league that you've never heard of. Um, st- safety is going to get paid massive money. He was PFF's second-graded safety for last season, so like consistency is there. Um, he's really good, and he plays some in the post. He plays some in the box. Um, they've they've got a kid named Percy Butler who's super duper fast, and it is a fourth round pick from a couple of years ago. Who's really come into his own. So he's kind of the third safety that rotates in along with Derek Forrest, and that trio is really good. And whether Curl is playing up in the box or back with Forrest, they're good there. Corner like Kendall Fuller is a pro's pro. He you can get him, um, but not consistently. He's very good. Benjamin St. Juice super handsy on the other side. Like it would not surprise me if Diggs can, you know, get matched up on him and draw a couple PIs. Super physical, gets away with the PI bluntly on the two point conversion uh, that Denver <laughs> is attempting after the Hail Mary last week to to yeah. win them the game. Um, and then Emmanuel Forbes is kind of the wild card. Uh, their first round pick, who is crazy ball hot, got his got his hands on a ball last week for his first career interception. Had he not slipped, he would have taken it to the house for a pick six. He's the NCAA all time leader in pick sixes. Like that's what he does, and he's playing about two thirds of the snaps right now crazy good ball hawk and if, if josh allen's going to challenge him which we know josh will take some risks and yeah. you know the the antithesis of risk averse um forbes could get another one th- this week for sure um so is there is there stuff available in the secondary yeah but it's pretty good um is there stuff available on the second level yes definitely but 
that all is predicated on blocking things up front. And they've been very, very good at schematically getting their guys one-on-ones. And then those, you know, those four first round picks winning those one-on-ones uh, specifically last week, Deron Payne had a three and out literally by himself. That um, was one of the craziest sequences I've ever seen from a, a defensive lineman. I hate the line for this game. I feel like it's probably going to be closer than what Vegas thinks it's going to be, but you know, Vegas always wins. So what the heck do I know for you? What do the commanders have to do to get a win? Screw covering. Just like, what do they have to do to get a win? Yeah, I think turnovers. I mean, look, there's the, there's two pieces of lazy analysis that are only lazy because they're so obvious, not because they're not correct. And that's turnovers and explosive plays, right? Yeah. If you win the turnover battle and you get extra possessions, you take away possessions from your opponent, it's going to be a lot easier. The question is, how do you do that? Well, you have to capitalize on opportunities. Josh Allen will throw you the football. Catch it. Like that, it sometimes it's that simple. Like, you know, the NBA is a make or miss league. Sometimes the NFL is a catch it or don't catch it league. And it's whether or not the announcer uh, is going to be like, well, that's why that guy plays defense. Um, so there's, there's some of that. The explosive plays part is what killed them last week. And, and Logan always has fun with me because he's like, oh, cool. Good, good take guy. You know, how are they going to limit the explosive plays? And I think it's on Del Rio. Jack Del Rio is their defensive coordinator to make sure that he's calling stuff that they're not going to botch. Like they had coverage busts last week. So do you play vanilla enough that you do not bust coverage and you make the bills earn it over the course of long drives? And then offensively, like, can you generate the explosive place? You know, can, can you limit the, the big, sacks and getting off schedule and so that's on you know a lot of on the enemy to mix in the screen game mix in the runs uh that kind of stuff like i i think this can be a close game i think the commanders can win the commander's ceiling is i don't want to say as high as any team in the league but it's it's really high like sam howell's really talented their skill positions are great their defensive uh front is is thoroughly capable of dominating a game but that's not what actually makes a team great what makes a team great is how consistently they achieve it and they have yet to put together a full four quarters, even though they have gotten two wins so far. So that, that to me is the question, like how consistently can you execute? Can you limit big plays uh, for Allen and company? Can you turn them over and whether it's tricking him or whether it's just taking advantage of the mistakes, you know, TBD, but yeah, absolutely. They can win this game. I'm not going to pick them, but they can. Yeah. And to your point, you're not going to pick them. Why? Why do you think the bills are just, you know, that, I know, right? Like, they've been to the AFC Championship. They go to the playoffs right. every year now. They have Josh Allen. Like, it's an easy reason to say, like, oh, I'm picking the Bills. But what is the particular reason? Is it the defense isn't good enough or the offense can't go hang 30 on the Bills D? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the defense is going to be a much more significant challenge than what they face. I mean, Denver's defense is pretty good, but, like, they're back. Like, Simmons is ridiculous, uh, the safety. You know, Sertan is is maybe the best corner in football at this point. Uh, there's a couple of Commanders players going into last week saying, like, you know, they've played him and or watched the tape, and they're just like, that dude's better than everybody else. If not, he's, he's certainly top three. But their pass rush is not that good. Um, Randy Gregory is, like, good as an idea. Frank Clark was out and is only still good as an idea. They, they don't really have that much. The Bills do. And specifically on the interior of the offensive line, like that's kind of an unproven group. Like Sadiq Charles has been phenomenal. Their left guard through two games. Well, what happens when you got Ed Oliver over you? Like yeah. that, those are the kinds of questions that I don't know that they'll answer quite enough in the affirmative to keep up with Josh Allen and the Bills. And I, I just trust who the Bills are from a consistency standpoint over 60 minutes more than the commanders. Um, but I won't be surprised if it goes the other way. And boy, if it does, is is it going to be crazy town going into that Eagles game for us? Like my radio show is just going to be like, hey, call in and sound excited for 12 segments a day, five days a week. You know, it was already like 12 years ago, but back in 2011, the Bills started 2-0 and and then the Patriots came to town and they beat the Patriots to go to 3-0. and And that was like right in the middle of the Patriots dynasty. And yeah. this entire city for that one week was like, oh, yeah. things are back, baby. And then, you know, then reality kind of slapped him in the face. Well, here's the funny part. So you mentioned 2011. That's the last time the commanders were 2-0 and and they wow. won five games that year. Wow. 
So, so not great. So commanders fans do not need history to repeat itself this season. No, that would be, that would be great. I mean, the good news for them schedule wise uh, is like the Eagles are coming, which obviously is a massive test, but they've got the bears after that, who look like an absolute dumpster fire. So, yeah. um, you know, they, if they can win this one, like they could very easily be four and one while the rest of the week is playing week five. Uh, Cause that, that bears game is a Thursday nighter. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that at least gets you a cushion, uh, but we'll see. They've, they've been very streaky under Rivera. They've had, extended winning streaks extended losing streaks um and that's that's you know another element matt that that probably is worth mentioning like the familiarity of the coordinators and the coaches in this Absolute, game is pretty absolutely. interesting because the enemy's obviously got a long history going against the bills in kansas mm-hmm. city and massive massive games obviously rivera was uh mcdermott's mentor and yeah. now that sean's calling the the defense again up there like is it the same defense they were running in Carolina? How familiar is it? How much is Ron giving that information to Eric? How much is Eric looking at a different defense versus, I mean, this would be a good question for you that your audience already knows. So I can ask you this off the air, but like yeah. how different is the defense with Sean calling it versus Leslie Frazier calling it because the enemy's used to what Leslie Frazier calls. So like, what is the difference there? So there's, there's a lot of like those schematic things that seem small and hyper detailed that I think are actually super important to this game. Because like, for instance, last week, the enemy owns Vance Joseph, which is hilarious because they're literally childhood friends. Like they grew up <laughs> in the same area of Louisiana. And I've been saying the line all week, like that's no way to treat your friend. Eric Bien-Ami just beats the tar out of him every single time. And it mattered last week. Like the enemy finally found Joseph's rhythm and they went on a 32 to three run. So what is that like this week with the enemy versus McDermott with the help of Rivera who obviously used to have Sean coaching underneath them. Yeah. The, I mean, it's a really interesting game. I don't think that two weeks ago, people at least here would have thought it was as interesting as it's going to be. I think probably a lot of people slept on Washington a bit and thought the bills were going to be humming at this point right now. They're not really yet. So we'll see what happens. Craig, tell everybody where they can follow you, listen to you as they try and get ready for this matchup. So uh, on Twitter, uh, which I'm still calling it Twitter, uh, at Craig Hoffman. And then uh, the, the radio show is on the Team 980, the Hoffman Show, daily 4 to 7, which you can listen to on the free Odyssey app. Uh, and then we also stream that live on YouTube at the Team 980. And then the Take Command podcast is me and my guy, Logan Paulson, who played 10 years in the league, one of the smartest guys. He always jokes that uh, he had no business playing in the NFL. He wasn't athletic enough. So that, that's how smart the guy is. Uh, so you can listen to that uh, anywhere you listen to this podcast. Craig Hoffman, thank you so much, man. You got it. Thanks, Matt. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Sal Capaccio from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things Buffalo Bills. Right on time, your time. In the car, navigate the streets with NFL wisdom in your ear. We accompany every errand you need to run. Washing the windows or vacuuming the carpets? Don't just clean, conquer. Podcasts make you more productive because we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow It's Always Game Day in Buffalo in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, thanks to Craig Hoffman for joining us here on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Sal Capaccio, Matt Bove, Mike Robbie producing. We appreciate it. Check us out on video on the Sal Sports YouTube page. A lot of content there for you. Thank you very much for coming aboard. And, of course, download, subscribe, iTunes, Spotify, WGR, Sports Radio 550, and the Odyssey app. The Buffalo Bills, one and one. You're looking around the AFC. The Kansas City Chiefs, one and one. And here's the Cincinnati Bengals. At 0 and 2, Matthew. Yeah. And talking about compromised players, boy, Joe Burrow does not look right. Now they're in a tough spot. We talk about what the Bills could do with Leonard Floyd. They're in the same spot with their franchise quarterback who just signed this record deal, who's one of the best in the business. 
either they have to sit him and not have him already at 0 and 2 or they're going to play him risk him re-injuring the calf or in being compromised while they're playing while they're still 0 and 2. I, this is a not a good situation for them. You sit him. You need him healthy. I think you just need to make sure that he gets healthy. And if that means you lose the next couple games, guess what? You've lost the last couple games with him on the field. Something is not right. Sit him down until he's healthy. Bring him back. And if that compromises your chance of a playoff spot this year, then so be it. But I don't know. Their best case scenario is maybe you sit him down for a couple weeks. He gets better. You sneak out a win against one of your next couple opponents. And then you just have a really, really, really strong final three quarters of the season, it's a really tough spot. I don't know what they're going to do. And I think a couple weeks ago we would have said that, okay, the Bengals will beat the Rams, but the Rams have looked a little bit better than people have anticipated. And the Bengals have looked worse than people anticipated. It's a really interesting one. And the other one too is the chargers. The chargers this week are playing the Vikings in Minnesota. Both teams are 0 and 2. One of those teams is one of those teams is going to be 0 and 3 to start the season. And right. given the Chargers offense, I think they've scored 58 points or something two weeks into the season. They're the only team that has scored that many points, but is 0 and 2. I saw the stats somewhere. The Minnesota, even though they're 0 and 2, I, I don't think Minnesota is like a terrible team. I think eventually they've got to get back in the win column. Do you imagine if the Chargers fall to 0 and 3 out of the gate? That might be too oh, wait, big. Of a what home. is the stat? They're they're the, like the only team since since some time to score. Yeah, I, th- yeah I think they're like the only team since a certain amount of time wow. to be. I think second or third in the NFL in scoring and not right. have a win. Wow, so, it's crazy. And that Rams Bengals game, by the way, so everybody knows is a Monday night. There's two Monday night games this week, like mm-hmm. there were last week. The first one, seven fifteen, Eagles Buccaneers. Buccaneers mm-hmm. are surprising two and zero. Eagles not surprising two and zero. So some team there is going to get their first loss. Rams Bengals Monday night at eight fifteen p.m. But you're right about the Chargers. That's a tough spot for them to be in. I still like them a little bit better than the Vikings here. But man, can you ever trust the Chargers? I'm not really sure. And hey, I, I think this is a, a big way of me saying and and, and thinking about and. Let's even go to Cleveland. They lose Nick Chubb. Deshaun Watson does not look that great, right? Through two games. No. Pittsburgh, eh, they look really like, come on, not as good mm-hmm. as I thought they might look. Matt, the AFC is there right now. Now, the Dolphins are a different deal. We can talk about them in a second. But otherwise, even Baltimore, yeah, Baltimore has been impressive. I'm not taking anything away from them. I didn't think they were great against Houston week one. And then they no. played a, a compromised Joe Burrow in week two. I think Baltimore is a good team. Right now, I'd say they're definitely the favorites to win the AFC North, the way things look. But overall, the Mm -hmm. AFC looks like it's going to be there for some team to go grab it this year. Yeah, it does to an extent. But I think there's a really big cluster in the middle. So I think that there is still, you know, a conference to be had. But I really think the Chiefs are great, right? You got Patrick Mahomes. And I think the Dolphins are very good, too. And then I would say the Ravens. I would say those are the teams right now that if I'm lumping all of them together, I would put the Bills right in the middle of that mix. And I would say those are your four best teams in the AFC. Obviously, you have two in your own division, which is concerning. But I think that's just the reality of it. And I think that this is one of those deals where, you know, you you hope the Chargers lose to the Vikings. And then you get to the Patriots and the Jets game. I think in that game, you're rooting for the Jets, right? To put the Patriots in that much bigger of a hole. Um. I mean, the Patriots Maybe. would be 0 and I think 3. The more losses you give, it's a tough one. I, I could see it. I could see their way. I think you could root for the Patriots and say, then both teams are 1 and 2, then. And if you go and to that, 2 and 1, you jump you jump both of them. I want to hold on a second, though. I want to go back to your Chiefs point. I'm not going to just say, like, I agree with you. The Chiefs are still probably the, the class team, but Matt, they've scored 37 points in two games. I don't think their offense looks right. And I don't know yeah. if it's going to look right all year with their wide receiver situation. Yeah, but my thought is the defense has looked very good, right. especially last great. week, and I trust their offense to figure it out. Probably this week against the Bears, they'll probably do that. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? They'll go put up 40 uh, They do have the Jets the coming up in a couple of weeks, so that'll be a interesting one. Yeah, the Jets Patriots game. I want to sit on you'd, that. You I, want the Jet, you'd want the Jets to win. You'd want the Jets to win and be two and one because then the Patriots would be zero and three. And, and you don't no trust way. the Jets at two and one. You don't, you don't trust the Jets. I, I mean, the, I yeah, weren't the Jets like at one point like seven and four last year or seven and five or something after they beat the Bills and then they lost all of the games after that. Listen, not only that, it's great you brought that up. Last year, okay, the New York Jets they come to Buffalo, they lose, they they lose in the game. 20 to 12. This is December 11th. And Robert Sala after the game says, we'll see them again. 
in the playoffs, he means. They didn't win a game the rest of the year. They didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. He said that after that game. Any other games on the schedule? Hop out. I mean, I think, like I've said, everybody who listens to this podcast probably knows how I feel about the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins will wax Denver. They should. They should. They should. I mean, they'll, they'll put up 40 against them. Yeah. Although Waddle concussion protocol. So who knows if they have him available. They're a team that yeah. cannot really, you know, you have Hill and you have Waddle. I don't know how equipped they are to deal with an injury to either one of those players. They rely so much on their speed. Two one and one AFC teams, Titans and Browns. Someone's dropping to one and two there. And, you know, we can say easily, well, the Titans aren't that good. I get it, but the division's not that great. And they haven't played that poorly. Um, and the Browns in their situation, if they drop and go to one and two, I mean, I think maybe the story here is more about what have they gotten to Sean Watson after that huge contract they gave him. Who do the Jags play this week? Jags are at home of the Texans. Okay. So they're gonna win that game. Probably. Probably, but they haven't looked great either. They you know, it, it, it's, wait, first four weeks you're feeling out, but I mean, I don't think the Jags will look great. I mean, they held, they did held Kansas City to 17 points. They only scored nine points, though, against that defense. And then you have the Steelers and Raiders on Sunday night, two one and one teams, classic rivalry there, going back you, to the 70s. Root Steelers, for the Raiders. Raiders. You oh, 100%. The Raiders. You root for the Raiders. That's not even a question. I just wonder how the game's going to go, though. But I mean, yeah, you root for the Raiders, but I first to I 20 wins. Super impressed with either team. <laughs> first to 20 wins. You know, the funny thing, though, about the Raiders is. I don't think the Raiders are that bad. And I just watched the Bills beat the Raiders 38 to 10, which right. might sound ridiculous. Yeah. I think the Raiders will finish this season as a middle of the road team. I oh, think right. the Raiders could probably be a seven, eight win team. I don't think they're going to be a disaster by any stretch. I think they had a bad day. I think the Bills played really well and mm -hmm. they played poor. And that's what happens, right? And kind of what I thought happens the week before with the Bills. I thought they played terrible, and the Jets' defense played really well. And that's why it was the result that it was. That's the thing that – that's the overarching thing here, right? It's like mm -hmm. if the Bills play their best football, there are very few teams that can beat them. Are obviously, only two weeks. But to your point about the middle, there's nine teams, one and one in the AFC. There are only two teams, two and oh. That's the Ravens and the Dolphins. There are five teams 0-2 in the AFC. Who's the worst team in the AFC? The worst team in the AFC. Is it is it is it is it clearly Houston? Because CJ Stroud threw for 300 yards last week. I think they compete a little bit. I don't no, think they play that poorly in Houston. Right. I mean, could it it's, be Denver? Yeah. Um Indy? No, I wouldn't say Indy, because I think Anthony Richardson looked pretty good when he did play. It's probably Houston. Probably. Now I'm looking at now that I'm looking at all the teams, it's probably Houston. I mean, I don't even think like if the Patriots lose this week and they're zero and three, I still don't think I would say them. I would still say that they're better than a lot of the teams that they're, you know, have worse records than. I, I would say Houston probably. It's really interesting looking at the standings right now. The Bills would be in ninth and not in the playoff spot. Kansas City would be in the seventh and final playoff spot. Yeah, uh, Cincinnati, of course, would be out of it. They'd be uh, the the, the bottom of the tier, bottom of the, the league, 15th down there with Houston and those other 0-2 teams. So, and yeah, um, The Raiders yeah. would host a home playoff game if the season ended. Oh, my gosh, that's right. The Raiders, that's crazy. <laughs> the Raiders would host a home playoff game. All right, before we head out of here, NFC, really quickly, just want to touch on what the um, Cowboys have done. They look super impressive. So do the Niners. Niners play Thursday night against the Giants. Unfortunately, it looks like Saquon Barkley's not going to play. I yep. guess the 49ers should probably roll that game. And then the um, – Dallas Cowboys have Arizona. Dallas looks really, really good so far. Dallas does look good. Dallas is kind of a combination of a dominant defense and an efficient but upside offense, and yeah. that's a dangerous combination. So I, I like Dallas a lot. I think they are very legitimate. I would say right now it's them and the 49ers is probably the class of the NFC and the Eagles. Excuse me. i got to include the Eagles in there. So I would say those are probably the three teams to beat in the NFC. It's weird, though. I think – the NFC has those three teams that I think are really good. And then I think there's a massive drop off. Like I think in the AFC that has a lot to do with the quarterbacks, right? Like the quarterbacks in the AFC, you've got eight or nine of them who you probably feel better than, than most of the teams in the NFC. So I think the NFC might be a little bit top, more top heavy right now, but then it just plummets after that. All right. Well, the bills take on the commanders. 
possibility of some rain. There's a storm that's out there that it could hit a little bit and yeah. rain and wind. But yeah, looking right now, like maybe that'll hold off. Maybe it'll come a little bit earlier than the game. So I'm hoping, Matt, from being on the sidelines, of course, I'd love to have a nice weather day. But it's uh -huh. a 1 p.m. start in uh, Washington against the Commanders. And very real quick, some trivia on these two teams. They've only played 16 times ever, including a Super Bowl. Bills have won 10 of them. But this will be the 10th straight game. The Washington Commanders will have a different starting quarterback against the Buffalo Bills in the 10th wow. straight game they've played. So, you know, it's crazy is they played Buffalo in 2021, mm -hmm. I think, because Emmanuel Sanders played in that game. Yep. And I was it Heineke? Was he the starter then? Yes, he was. I That would have been a – did you do this as like trivia with Joe? Like the, I did. The 10 starters. Did. So 21 is Taylor Heineke, 2019, Dude, Dwayne Haskins. Okay, give me the next one after that. Would you have gotten that? I would have got Haskins. 2015 in Washington. Jason Campbell? Uh, no, you're too, way too early on him if you want it or late, I guess he's on this list, but not 2015. So 2015 Kirk cousins. Yes. 2011 okay. in Toronto. Campbell. Nope. Wow. He was, wow. Uh, the guy that played for the Dolphins went to BYU. John uh, Beck. I would have not gotten that ever. 2007. Ever. Now you got it. 2007. Okay. Gosh. Campbell. We're 2000, getting old. Oh 2003, my gosh. Steve Spurrier, head coach, Patrick Ramsey, 1999, Brad Johnson, 1996, Gus Farratt, <laughs> 1993, no. Mark Rippon, and then he was the last one that started two straight. Even before that, you had Jay Schrader, even before you get to Joe Theismann. So that's, that's 10 straight, including Sam Howell this weekend. Different starting quarterbacks for the Washington football team, commanders, Redskins, whatever you want to call them or have been called in games against the Buffalo Bills. Don't don't yell at me because I'm a little bit younger than some people who listen to this. Isn't Mark Rippon who beat them in a Super Bowl? It is. So okay. Rippon Rippen started three straight games, 91, 92, 91 Super Bowl, 92 and 93, I think it is. But either way, he did start three straight games against them, including the Super Bowl. Other than that, no one has started even more than one game since after that. Gus Farratt's was the next one and then 10 nine other guys counting this weekend wow it's wild that is wild that's like i mean the bills did this for years it, yep. this wouldn't have been an uncommon stat if you were playing against the bills all those years before josh allen also we should mention sean mcdermott's 100th game as the bills head coach on sunday against washington which feels like yesterday that he was hired you want to hear a funny story this isn't a funny yeah. story it's this is poor judgment on my part probably shouldn't even say this but whatever when the bills <laughs> hired sean mcdermott I was in my office and I was working with Joe Biscali at the time. And Joe was like, you post it on social media. I will post it to our website. And I went to school with a guy named Steve McDermott. And for some reason, when I posted the thing, I thought Steve oh McDermott and not Sean McDermott. And it was up for about 10 minutes. Bills hire Steve McDermott as next head coach. And wow. Yeah. So, I mean, it was only 10 minutes, but You're still. still hey. You're still here. It's all good, buddy. I'm still here. Yeah. I don't think they can retroactively fire me for that, but that was already that long uh, ago. Oh, Steve McDermott against Ray Rivera coming up on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Washington Commanders, of course. Sean McDermott used to work for Ron Rivera. That'll be the Washington Commanders head coach on Sunday when the two teams face off in Washington. Actually, in Maryland, right? That's where the stadium is. They're in, they're in Maryland. Sabres yeah. are there, too, by the way. They're, they're open their preseason Sunday. Isn't that ridiculous that they play, I think, at 3 o'clock to open the preseason two hours later? And I think, is it 2 or is it 3? One or the other. You're right. One yeah, something something in the afternoon. That wasn't planned incredibly well. Sabres open training camp Thursday morning. We will, I'm sure, dibble into that just a little bit here and there, nibble on that a little bit here and there on this podcast. In the meantime, thanks a lot for joining us. Sal Capaccio, WGR Sports Radio 550. Matt Bove, WKBW-TV, Channel 7 in Buffalo. Mike Robbie producing. We'll talk to you next time after the Bills take on the Commanders Sunday. Enjoy the game.